Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, hello once again. It's Mike. Not for the truth. We'll answer to find it. And I'm finding it in the Word of God. Psalm 89. I will sing. Of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shall thou establish in the very heavens. <clears throat> I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David, my servant, thy seed will I establish forever, build up thy throne to all generations. Selah. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. The Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord, like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness around about thee. Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces as one that is swine. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. The heavens are sh- thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fallen thereof, thou hast founded them. The north and the south hast thou created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. Thou hast a mighty arm. Strong is thy hand. High is thy right hand. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day. In thy righteousness shall they be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength, and their favor 
are horned shall be exalted. For the Lord is our defense. The Holy One of Israel is our King. When thou spakest in vision to thy Holy One, and said, if I have laid help upon one that is mighty, I have exalted one chosen out of the people. I have found David, my servant, with my holy oil, I have anointed him, with whom my hand shall be established, my arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand also in the sea and his right hand in the rivers. He shall cry unto me, and thou art my father, my God, the rock of my salvation. Also I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore. My covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes nevertheless my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him nor suffer my faithfulness to fail my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David, his seed shall endure forever, his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven, Selah. But thou hast cast off and harbored and thou hast cast off and harbored, thou hast been wroth with thine anointed. Thou hast made void the covenant of thy servant. Thou hast profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. Thou hast broken down all his hedges. Thou hast brought his strongholds to ruin. All that pass by the way spoil him. He is a reproach to his neighbors. Thou hast set up the right hand of thy adversaries. Thou hast made all his enemies to rejoice. And thou hast also turned the edge of his sword and hast not made him to stand in the battle. Thou hast made his glory to cease cast his throne down to the ground. The days of his youth hast thou shortened, thou hast covered him with shame, Selah. How long, Lord, wilt thou hide thyself forever? 
shall thy wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? Selah. The Lord, excuse me, Lord, where, where are thy former loving kindness, which thou swearest unto David in thy truth? Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants, how I do bear in my bosom the reproach of all the mighty people. Wherewith thine enemies have reproached, O Lord, wherewith they have reproached the footsteps of thine anointed. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. <clears throat> that was the end of the book four, or book three, excuse me, of Psalm. Psalms, and now we're in book four. Verse 90, not verse 90, Psalm, I'm having a hard time. I should be resting, but I can't rest. can't keep my mind quiet, so I figure I do the most logical thing, and that is to get back into the Word of God. So. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were through forth, and however thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from lasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest men to, to destruction, and saith, Remember, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but a yesterday when it is past, as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away with a flood. They are as a deep, excuse me, they are as a sleep. In the morning, they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning, it flourishes and groweth up. In the evening, it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Of all our days are past, excuse me, for all our days are past away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if, by reason of strength, they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us, to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Let it 
repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, thy glory unto the, their children. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Well, guess too. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise of the pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His trust shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy feet, excuse me, thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 92. It is, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night and upon an instrument of ten. 
Hey, just reading. Um, that's just reading for sake. Guess who? Certainly more willing to talk. Right now, I'm just reading because that's why I'm motivated. But you're more welcome to join in if you want, if you're interested. Um, right now, I'm just reading Psalms, and probably we'll get into the gospel. Don't know what else I want to do yet. Is there something you'd like to talk about? Yes, too. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Thank you for joining me at the reading. I am trying to find what my next page is, and the consent is this. So, upon the instrument of ten strings, and upon the psalmistry, and upon the harp, with a solemn sound. For though, Lord, I don't know, I'm also thinking about maybe reading something else besides the gospel. I'm not sure yet. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great art thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as a grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thy enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shall thou exult like the horn of a unicorn. And I shall be anointed with with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire of mine enemies. My tears, or excuse me, my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit of old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. And let's see what's here. Hey, I just really found out I'm going to be a dad. All right, congratulations. I don't know who. Okay. Going to be dad. Uh, me and wife are expecting a great blessing. It is late here in the UK. Can't jump on and talk. Just downloading some of your recent shows for listening you know, to work. God bless. Awesome. Well, congratulations, UK. Um, it's nothing like being a dad. I'm a dad myself and uh, a single dad, so I raised my son most of the week by myself. And um, it is, um, he's, he's a real blessing. So there's nothing like um, the blessing of having a child in your life. And um, my prayers are with you. 
All praise and glory go to God. Awesome. Very. Uh, well, I, I used to live in UK, by the way. I used to. Actually, my ex-wife is from there, uh, from Portugal, in East Timor. I met her there when I was uh, many years ago when I was a Mormon missionary. When I used to be a Mormon, um, and I spent most of my time in North London, in Norwich, and Chesterfield, and all that other stuff. Uh, even stayed on, met her there, stayed on, and lived in a lot of the England. So. To see what Grays, Essex, and where else did I live? I've got to remember all this stuff again. I really enjoyed North London. North London was fascinating, especially Tottenham and East Ham, because uh, like East Ham is like going to Pakistan, basically, and Tottenham was like going to Africa. So, um, but then I also lived up in um, close to Nottingham. Um, I bounced around quite a bit. I actually met my ex-wife in um, Barry Sid Edmonds. Actually, right in front of the Abbey there. In my young days, when, and being blinded by the cult that I was in, uh, growing up as Mormon, uh, I actually stopped her at the street and asked her if she ever thought or she knew who God was. And the purpose and the meaning of life. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Oh well, that's life. So, but I, I did appreciate. I have spent a lot of time in uh, Omada, which is between city of uh, Lisbon. So, I spent a lot of time there. So. I always found interesting about the UK is that when I look at the, because I live in Ohio, the Great Lakes are very much, in a lot of ways, are like the UK. Uh, people's temperament and disposition, and we may not have this as sharp a wit, but um, very kind of a reserved group of people. Oh, that's because of the weather and because of the what is being the culture that we're in. So I always found that Ohio and the Great Lakes were very much just an extension of uh, uh, Britain itself, really. And of course, that would be because, well, yeah, if one does a little bit of research, it's not too far to you realize that America's always been and still is. In British colony. Also, things have happened drastically, where I think the handing over of the papacy has been a big thing. So, obviously, uh, not to say that they weren't involved in the beginning. Of it. Very interesting article is out there. Is uh, oh, you're the South Coast, Dorset. Wow. So you got to see all the. You, you're there with all the. Uh, that would be all the, the chalk, the chalk white, the white cliffs, and there are and. Uh, you should be able to see a bit of uh, the potential, at least an easy ride to see the, um, not only the channel, but um, on a good day, can you see like France from where you're at? 
can't remember. You know, I didn't spend much time in the southern part. Uh, one of the things I, I wish I would have done. I also wish I would have spent more time in Wales. I think that there's some pretty country up there. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things. Very interesting. Well, you can see that all the white stuff too mine as well. <laughs> hey, you're not supposed to be able to do that. <laughs> but the earth was a perfect ball. Anyways. Um Yeah, I I it was a wonderful experience being in England, especially um uh I, London was amazing for me. Um where I live, there's places in England too that I know this. Where it's like La La Land, where you can live there, and uh, a community, and and never leave that community. So, but um, what was amazing about London was the boroughs, and how each borough has its own ethnic group. Uh, you know, whether it was Golden Gate, where the I believe it was called Golden Gate. Um, where you have all the mostly just Hasidic Jews and Orthodox Jews, and or you, like Tottenham, I love Tottenham, and I gained a lot of weight in Tottenham eating fufu, fufu and kentinkwa. I believe that's kentinkwa fufu, yeah. Anyways, it's a type of uh, like a peanut butter soup that they make, and and people walk around. I remember going to the markets and. I don't know if they're still there. Uh, we're talking now, 1990, so uh, 89. So, but I remember the markets, and uh, you go to like an African market, and they would have all their um, like gadgets and their trinkets. It was really bizarre. I remember watching and seeing one lady. She was butt naked right there, standing. <laughs> Uh, that's for another day. But it was bizarre. It was like it was like going to um times it felt at least to be based on my own ignorance and limited experience, it felt like it was like being in a market in Africa. I remember in, in East Ham, uh they had their own wild herd of cattle. Of course you know the the Hindus and all that's the sacred the the sort of the cow. And so and I remember having uh, cows causing traffic tra- jams on the motorway, and how I would have to wait for this cows to, to pass the motor across the motorway. And uh, next thing you know, you could have a cow in your your front there. Of course, nobody had a very big yards, but they had their gate, and the cow would show up and be eating your landlord's uh, plants. <laughs> So that's just one of the many things. I think that uh, there's one thing about London. London is a fascinating place. Um, and I, although I was a weird, weird cause you know, I spent all the time, I, I don't know how many times I walked by like the big Ben and never went in. I was never a tourist town. I found the people to be more interesting The mix of people. And, 
the organized chaos that is London. So, if there is ever this a major city for someone to seriously spend some time to know their world, that's a good place to be. And it turns out that I was very close to um, the square mile there in London City. You know, we talk about the three major city-states of Washington, D.C. and London and the Vatican, and turns out that I spent a lot of time in two of them, and I had no idea, So, especially when it came to the um, London proper there. I, I had no idea what I was in at the time, so it's interesting as God's opened up my eyes to see how things really work, so London, London's calling. Uh, used to be a real big fan of the of the Clash too. I've been stuck <laughs> for many times on the small rural roads. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's it is. It's an interesting. It's a very eclectic type of. Because uh, you don't have to go very far, really, um, from London to start feeling seeing the countryside and. I remember the football games, Tottenham Hotspurs. I remember uh, my one of my companions when I was a Mormon. He was from Yorkshire, and he's always he was a big Yorkshire fan. And uh, I, uh, was telling me stories of the what would happen. It's just one time he was in a football match and somebody threw a dart and hit him in the back. You know. <laughs> Yeah, things happen. Things happen, and <laughs> well, anyways, England, uh, UK. Uh, was, thank you for joining me, and uh, and uh, it's even more like uh, that in the south. Yeah, at least from the what little I know, the, the south, the southern part of. Uh, UK is it's, it's it's a pleasant place. It's nice. It's got a lot of nice things about it. It's very that mixture, you know, uh, of the old and the new world type of thing. <clears throat> I mean, that's not a very good way of saying it, but um, but you know what I'm saying. And they still hold on to some of the the old tradition, where they but they still have. Um, yeah. And some of the the architecture, and it's nice to see the, like the the old thatch roof homes and et cetera. And I have lots of pictures of that. That's one thing that uh, and my mom is actually is a professional artist, and uh, I did a little bit of it myself, sold art and that kind of thing, but not professionally like my mom. But um, but I took a lot of pictures of the the countryside of England, and then uh, sent it back to my mom, and she did a lot of paintings. The old homes and thatch roofs and all that because of uh, well, let's face it. Uh, I live in a homogenized and generic culture where we don't have that. So you can go from where I live, uh, 800 miles in any direction. Well, there's still a few places like in Michigan. There's a place called Frankenbooth that kind of holds the old tradition architecture, but you can go hundreds of miles, and every town will look exactly the same. 
you'll never feel that there's any difference. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting with, with Britain too because you had the track housing, the row housing, and ugly as all get out. But it is what it is, and that's what people have to live with what they got. And then you go into a little village just down the road, and it has thatch roofs and homes and um, the old roundabouts. That was a fun thing. Roundabouts. That was a, learning how to do that, and I had to learn how to use that a roundabout right in front of the, uh, I think it was Buckingham Palace, right? Right there in North London there, that, uh, that big old roundabout. <laughs> Uh, now we're starting to get them now. Actually, uh, uh, we are—they are definitely Europeanizing America. I, you know, it's a sign of the times when they stop making streetlights and they start putting roundabouts in. So, yes, indeed. You know, uh, if Europeans, my European brethren, and and British brethren and, and Americans, we like to think that we're really separated from each other. But the truth of the matter is, it's been a big lie. Um, let's face it, uh, in the United States of America is a European venture, a colonial venture, where um, folks from the motherland paid for it. And they weren't going to hand it over, so... I find it fascinating the whole lie about America being this uniquely uh, autonomous, acting unilaterally on its own behalf throughout the world when it hasn't been able to do anything without the permission and consent of Rome, the Vatican, and uh, uh, the ruling oligarchy of uh, Europe. Not to say that America doesn't have its own oligarchy, but it's still obedient to them. So fascinating how in Daniel's uh well maybe that's what we should do. Maybe that's what I'll do is I will uh we will read about Daniel's statue. A lot of quaint little homes in my area. That's roofs and all that. Yeah. That's good for making paintings. And all that, I got one in, in my place right now, actually, from paying away back then. Um, room for the post office, too. That's Well, you've seen a lot. You've worked on the post office. You've seen a lot. So They have a lot of admiration for that. I miss those days of working. I never worked for the post office, but, um, you know, there's a guy who worked for the railroad and stuff like that and a lot of other things. So, do miss being outdoors. Eh, it is what it is. I'll tell you what, UK, with, this is what I'm going to do since we got talking about this. And why not? The Beast Kingdoms. Let's talk about it since we both live in the Roman Empire. You know, though a pond separates us, we actually really aren't that separated outside of accent. Um, we really uh, belong to the same empire. And people like to say it was the British Empire. And certainly the British Empire is an element, it's one of the kingdoms, if you will, or the, um, 
how would you say this? Yeah, it's a kingdom within the kingdom. I know it sounds redundant, but when we look at why even the ruling elite of Britain, fascinating is the the Treaty of Paris of 1783, I believe it is, and how the King of England is titled, I believe, the Prince of the Roman Empire and actually <laughs> was submitting himself to the papacy. So, And that is just the way it is. We are part of the Roman Empire. Nothing's really changed except the way they package it to us, we the people. The beast kingdoms of Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. And this this is, by the way, from ChristianityBelief.org, a friend of mine, I, brother in Christ, and David Nicaio. I think he does good work. And someone who came out of Roman Catholicism. Although I came out of Mormonism, you know, it's basically the same thing, another <clears throat> trap to keep us from being in the Word of God. So maybe that's what I'm doing right now, the falling in out of But anyways, we'll try it anyways. Uh, to understand Jesus' revelation, you need to understand prophecy that were given to Daniel as they interlock. Futurists make up the futurists make up all kinds of stories about the end-time kingdoms. But let's simply look at what the Word of God is clearly telling us. Here is the simple explanation of the fulfillment of Daniel 2 and 7. Daniel defined five great kingdoms, which would be in power from Daniel's time to the end when Messiah returns. The head of gold in Daniel 2, the lion of Daniel 7, was the empire of Rome. The kingdom of Babylon, did I say Rome, I meant to say Babylon, the empire of Babylon. The kingdom of Babylon was strong, courageous, and furious as a lion. And they were just, just reading the Psalms, you realize how violent that period was. So. Like a bear, their army was huge, up to 1.5 million people, and they overwhelmed the enemy with their size. The waste of brass of Daniel 2, the leopard of Daniel 7, was the Grecian Empire. Alexander the Great and his Grecian army were smaller, so they were able to move swiftly like a leopard and were agile their battles. The legs of iron of Daniel 2, the dreadful beast of Daniel 7, was the Roman Empire. It was a power during Jesus' ministry and when John wrote Revelation. Pagan Rome collapsed internally. Then, army after army attacked it, resulting in the Roman Emperor being removed in 476 A.D., I'm not 100% sure that date is right, but in that time period is good enough. 
the ten twos of Daniel 2 and the ten horns of Daniel 7 was the divided Roman Empire. And then it then split into ten kingdoms symbolized by ten toes and ten horns. The iron slash clay feet of Daniel 2, the little horn of Daniel 7, is the Roman Catholic Church. The popes of the Roman Catholic Church rose to power and caused three of the civil kingdoms, the Hurleys, the Ostrogoths, and the Vandals, to be plucked out. Daniel 2 tells us that in the days of those kingdoms, God would establish his own kingdom. During the reign of the Roman Empire, Jesus set up his kingdom, which expanded quickly, even though Satan used the Roman Empire to try to wipe it out. But the fascinating thing about this, about God's kingdom, is that it's not one of our eyes, but of our faith. It is not something made of man and man's brick and mortar, but it's through the word of God, and it's through our Lord Savior. He himself giving us abiding faith in him. That his kingdom and our Heavenly Father's kingdom is not of this world. As we read in the end of Matthew. So, we can put our comfort and call and, and, and hope in the fact that it's not of this world, but of God's world, and therefore we don't have to put too much faith in the things of this world, but we should understand what we're dealing with anyways, so that we tear down or allow God to tear down the false idols that we cherish so much. One of those false idols is the political system and how they pretend and make up things. The old bread and circus show As we watch the Pope, Pope Francis and Donald Trump of all characters battle it out. Such silliness. But then again, it makes a lot of sense because, well, the United States of America is a Roman Catholic, Jesuit-controlled institution. It's a corporation controlled by Rome. Yes, it's a British colony, but there's the irony in all of it, isn't it? Just because... We are actually all part of the Roman Empire. <laughs> but in the end of the day, it's all just basically all roads lead to Rome. One can accept that. And the word God is going to be telling us this. We are set in our understanding as far as the structure that we live under, the global political beast system that we live under. <clears throat> And so when they start saying this or that or making their silly remarks about uh, anti-British or anti-American or anti-French or anti-this, we know it's just more games. More bread and circus. More bread and circus. Where was that in all this before I got sidetracked here? Okay, 
we talked about during the reign of the Roman Empire that Jesus just uh, set up his kingdom, which expanded quickly, even though Satan used the Roman Empire to try to just wipe it out. Then Jew tells us that God's kingdom would grow into a great mountain, and this uncut stone would destroy the last kingdom of Rome in the, at the end times. And Revelation 18 confirms that Babylon, Rome, will be destroyed with a great millstone. The prophecy of Daniel and Revelation declare that Rome is the last beast. It has changed forms over the years, but it is the kingdom that was in power during Jesus' ministry, and it is the kingdom that will be destroyed by Jesus when he returns. Satan reigned in pagan Roman and reigned in the pagan Roman Empire. where he was worshipped through all their false gods. He used them to try to destroy the early church of Christ, killing millions. Our Lord caused the Roman Empire to collapse, which made Satan lose his power. Satan controlled or countered by empowering the Roman Catholic Church to rise up in its place. He used them to burn Bibles and to kill over 50 million followers of Christ. Our Lord caused the Roman Catholic Church to lose power through the Protestant Reformation. Then when the Pope was taken in prison in 1798 AD, Satan countered by empowering the Jesuits to take control of the Catholic Church. They were, they, they're creating a new world order where he will be worshipped and the saints attacked. Our Lord will cause the harlot church to be burned and desolate. He will destroy the scarlet beasts of the Jesuits. If you understand this explanation, you can continue to the next study about uh, Revelation 12. Roman Empire Beast. If you need more information and detailed explanation, it is given below. Be sure to read the Bible passages first, then read the explanation. So, what I think I want to do, I'll go here real fast, why not? Revelation 12, the pagan Roman Empire beast. First layer of the Revelation timeline is a description of the three forms of Roman beasts from Revelation 12 and 13. The Church of Christ has had a face, had to face through its history, the Roman Empire, the Roman Catholic Church, and the Jesuits of Rome. In its simplest, simplest form, the apocalyptic, the apocalyptic vision describes the battle between Satan-empowered Roman beasts against Messiah and his church. As Messiah caused one form of the Roman beast to lose power, Satan caused the next form to rise up. Revelation 12 describes the iron legs of the statue of Daniel 2, the dreadful beast of Daniel 7, the Roman Empire, which was dreadful and exceedingly strong. So let's go through our Messiah's description 
of how his followers endured Satan's empowered, empowered Roman Empire system that is described in Revelation 12. The context is, is the period of time from uh, 95 AD to 476 AD from the time John wrote the Revelation until the last Roman emperor. In Revelation 12.1, now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and over her head of garland and 12 stars. Some say that this is the Jews or Mary who gave birth to Messiah, but that explanation does not fit the context as they did not flee into the wilderness for 1,260 years. A woman in prophecy represents a group of set-apart ones, and this woman represents the early church of Christ. And Revelation 21.9 tells us that the pure woman of the church of Christ is the bride of Christ. Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. The disobedient tribe of Judah was called, quote, harlot, end quote, because she disobeyed Elohim and worshipped pagan gods. <clears throat> Romans 17, the woman who drank with the blood of the saints is a false church, the harlot church, the Roman Catholic church, and, of course, all her daughter churches. The other church is clothed with the sun, above all, with the righteousness of Christ. As the moon receives its light from the sun to provide light and darkness, so the church receives her light from the sun with an O, the Son of God, Son of Man, which guides her path. The twelve stars represent the twelve apostles who are the foundation of the church and the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Revelation 21.14. Not 100 percent sure about that one, but sounds good. Revelation 12.2. Then being a with child, he cried out in labor and in pain and gave birth. In harmony with many others, John Fox, the Fox's books, Martyrs, uh, the inter and interpreted the woman travailing as God, true church, page 462. The early church was birthed out of much pain, as all the disciples, but John died from violent death. Stephen was stoned to death. Paul was stoned, beaten, whipped, etc., the Roman Empire began killing Christians in the Colosseums, and it endured ten perse uh, persecution periods at the hand of the Romans, during which tens of millions of saints were killed. The Messiah set up his kingdom in the midst of the powerful Roman Empire, and it was a painful and laborious. Quote, and in the days of these kings shall the, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. A kingdom shall not be left to other people, 
but it shall break in pieces, consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Daniel 2.44 Satan failed in his attempt to stop the promised Messiah, so he turned his wrath on the early church to try to wipe it out. The birth of the early church was difficult as they were persecuted by the Jews and the Romans, and they cried in pain as they were tortured and killed. As you learn in Revelation 2 through 3, 7 church errors study, they endured 10 periods of persecution from the Roman Empire. The most intense was the last one when Satan knew that the Roman Empire was collapsing, so he caused the Emperor Diocletian's to try to wipe out Christianity from 303 to 313 AD. Revelation 12.3 is another sign that appeared in heaven. Behold, a great and fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. The figure of the dragon represents Satan-empowered pagan Roman Empire whose armies used the symbol of the dragon as their ensign. Interesting. Do we know any other institutions out there in the Roman Empire today that still use the dragon? As Daniel foretold, the Roman Empire was great and dreadful as they conquered and crushed the nations. The red of the coarse representing the bloodshed of war and persecution. The seven heads represent the seven hills of Rome to help John identify the enemy. The ten horns represent the ten civil kingdoms which were created after the Roman Empire collapse. This matches the description of the Roman beast in Daniel 7. The seven crowns match up with the description of Revelation 17, which represents the seven forms of Roman government which occurred during their reign. Roman 12, 4, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And a dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her children as soon as it was born. This isn't talking about Satan being cast out of heaven with the fallen angels as that had already taken place in Genesis. Satan had empowered the Roman emperor, which accounted for a one-third, so Satan empowered the Roman empire, excuse me, which, account, which accounted for one-third of the known populated earth. Stars in heaven represent their leadership structure over their vast domain. Satan understands Bible prophecy, and he knew that, uh, that, that according to the 70th week of Daniel, prophecy of Daniel 9, that the Messiah would appear in 27 AD. He knew that Messiah would, excuse me, could not start his ministry until age 30, so he would be born around 3 B.C., so he took control of the Roman Empire, the control of the area of the Messiah's prophesied birth, to try to eliminate him. 
Satan used the Roman Empire to try to stop the Messiah, and when it failed, he used it to try to wipe out the early church. <clears throat> Revelation 12.5, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. The male child is not a Christ in the flesh, but rather his priesthood of followers, his church. The rod of iron is the word of God. This is telling us that the early church birthed the New Testament, which the church has used to rule nations. Her child, the early church, was persecuted for their faith. These martyrs were the first fruits of the kingdom. The church area of Smyrna endured much persecution from the Roman Empire. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held, Revelation 6, 9. This matches Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Revelation 12, 6. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared for her, prepared by God. They should feed her there 1,260 days. 1,260 years of Great Tribulation study shows how this represents the 1,260 years of the persecution of the Church of Christ by the Roman Catholic Church, which reigned over or reigned from 538 to 1798 AD. I have my personal issues about that, but that doesn't mean it's not true. It just means I just uh, uh, need a little more confirmation on that. More line dangerous than going to Seventh-day Adventist route there. So, not that I'm against my brothers who are Seventh-day Adventists per se. As we just did a study today in the church service about that and how we're not to worry about such things. If our brother wants to worship on the Saturday or Sunday or whatever, that's his conscience. We'll save you. It's not so big. The only thing we'll save you is our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. And he's already saved you. <laughs> if you're one of his chosen, his elect. That's the way it is. In Revelation 12, 7 through 8, the war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. This battle wasn't fought in heavenly, in heavenly realm of the Father. It was fought in the realm of what early or earthy kingdom Satan is allowed to have power over. Satan has been in his glory of, in the powerful, vast Roman Empire as they worship many pagan gods, which ultimately honor him. As 
the Lord caused the Roman Empire to collapse during the seal judgments, Satan lost his power over the Roman Empire. Revelation 12, 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and, the sa and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The whole world in prophecy is the Roman Empire, whom Satan has deceived into worshiping pagan gods. Now he was being kicked out to the Roman Empire as it collapsed. The Messiah's proclamation in Luke 10, verses 17 and 18, tells us that Satan symbolically lost power in the heavenly realm when demons were cast out by the disciples. Quote, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the, daemon, the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said unto them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The angels in prophecy can mean earthly leaders, which in this case could, be, could have been the leaders of the vast Roman Empire who also lost power. To commemorate the fall of paganism, the Emperor Constantine caused medals to be struck representing that event under the semblance of a dragon precipitated in the abyss. In the epistle of Eusebius, and other bishops concerning the re-edifying and repair, repairing of the churches, the Roman Emperor Constantine said that, quote, liberty now restored, and quote, that dragon, and quote, being removed from the administration of public affairs by the providence of the great God and by my ministry, I esteem the great power of God to have been made manifest even to all, to all. Eusebius, the life of Constantine, six Roman two chapter like forty six Socrates history, etc. etc. Okay, all right. The Emperor Constantine said, Eusebius, quote, cause to be painted on the lofty tablet and set up in front of the portal of the, of the palace, so as to be visible to all, a representation of the, uh, of the I guess, allegory signs placed above his head blow it that hateful and savage adversary of mankind who by means of tyranny of the ungodly has wasted the church of God falling headlong under the form of a dragon to the abyss of the destruction from the sacred oracles of the book of God's prophets have described him as a dragon crooked and a crooked serpent, 
and for this reason the emperor there publicly displayed a painted resemblance of the dragon beheaded beneath his own and his children's feet. Stricken through with a dart and cast headlong into the depth of the sea, Eusebius, or Eusebius, The Life of Constantine, Book 3, Chapter 3. <clears throat> Revelation 12.10 Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ, have come for the accusers of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. The Messiah had set up his kingdom during the powerful reign of the Satan-empowered Roman Empire. Satan tried to wipe out the early church, causing the Roman Empire to kill tens of millions of saints, but the kingdom of Christ grew stronger. Now the, the powerful kingdom of Satan and the pagan Roman Empire had been cast down during the sealed judgments, which caused it to collapse internally, and the triumph judgment, which caused the army after army to attack it, so that the last Western Roman emperor was removed in 476 AD. After a fierce battle with many saints' bloodshed, Messiah's kingdom was prevailing over Satan's Roman Empire and the heavens erupt in praise. For the millions of martyrs who had been accused by Satanic Roman Empire, by the Satanic Roman Empire, and killed by them, this was cause for celebration as the power of Christ caused Satan to lose his power over the dreadful and terrible Roman beast. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. The victors are declared to have, quote, overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, end of quote. They did not use swords as in a physical conflict. Instead, they put on the armor of God described in Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. The martyrs who were killed by the Roman emperor or empire did not deny their Lord to preserve their lives. Rather, they honored their Lord with the words of the testimony before the Romans. Revelation 12, verses 12 and 13, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the man-child. When Satan was cast out of the Roman Empire, he was full of wrath, so he caused other people, groups, to persecute the Church of Christ. Revelation 12:14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she 
is nourished for a time and a time and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. The time and times and half a times represents the upcoming 1,260 year period from 538 to 1798 AD when the sea beasts of Revelation 13 reigned. The Lord caused a group of people called the I never say these people's names right. The Badoons, B-A-U-D-O-I-S, to take the word of God from the Piedmont Valley of the Alps at the northwest corner of Italy, east of France. There they were fed by the word of God, which the Lord had them preserved in the wilderness which protected them was the remote areas of the Alps, which served to protect them during the upcoming 1,260 years of great tribulation from the sea beast of Revelation, the Roman Catholic Church. Revelations 12:15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. The water of prophecy represents people, but this represents Satan sending many people to kill Christians. He did that through the next phases of the Roman beast, the Roman Catholic Church, which sent many armies to persecute the saints. Revelation 12:16. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. The Church of Christ fled away from the persecution of Rome and was protected in remote areas where they preached the gospel, causing the kingdom to advance. Revelation 17:12, and the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who kept the commandments of God, having the testimony of Jesus Christ. Satan would cause the Roman Catholic Church to relentlessly seek to eliminate the Word of God and the people who had it. The Church Fathers quotes Eusebius, the Bishop of Caesarea, Caesarea, I can't say it now, Caesarea, uh, was a Roman historian Christian uh, Palamedes I'm trying to say this sentence I can't okay Eusebius the bishop of Caesarea uh, was a Roman historian exegete and Christian uh, Palamistics I guess I say it's P. I think it's spelled right P-O-L-E-M I see I-S-T, of Greek descent, so I guess it's uh, Hellenistic, uh, fourth century. He applied the symbolic uh, prefigurations of the Opuk to change the events of the period, casting down the seven-head dragon from its high and ruling position, representing the 12th chapter, seemed to him to agree with the marvelous manner with the 
dejection of paganism. Paganism, Pagan emperors, which had just taken place from from the supremacy which they had for ages exercised exercise in the Roman world. References, Adam Clark's commentary on the Bible, Revelation 12, that, I, that's a good one. I like John Gill's, I like exposition on the Tower of Babel. Uh, Cook's, or Cox, Cokes, like Coca-Cola, Cokes, Cokes commentary in the Holy Bible, Revelation 12. Matthew Poole's commentary in the Holy Bible, Revelation 12. Robert Carger Carignola, Carignola, that's C-A-R-I-G-N-O-L-A, book, The Present Reign of Jesus Christ. Charles A. Jennings' book, The Book of Revelation, from an Israelite in his historicist interpretation. Henry Grant Guinness' book, Romanism and Reformation from the Standpoint of Prophecy. And um, there you go. Although, uh, well, everyone has their problems. So he was an Armenian, so. But as regardless. So I think that would be quite nifty right there to stop that. Well, thank you, uh, UK, and uh, <clears throat> probably the best thing to do is actually close properly by reading the Word of God. We have finished Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, so now we're the Gospel according to Mark. Chapter 1, beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in the prophets. In the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. John was clothed with a camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. He did not. He did eat locusts and wild honey and preached, saying, There comes, cometh one mightier than I after me, the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway, coming out of the water, he saw the heavens open, and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven, saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness for forty days, tempted of Satan. 
and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and, the, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as a scribe, not as the scribes. Read in the song. <laughs> like me <laughs> there <laughs> there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried saying let us alone what have we to do with thee thou Jesus of Nazareth art thou come to destroy us I know who thou art the Holy One of God and Jesus rebuked him saying hold thy peace come out of him and when the unclean spirit had torn him he cried with a loud voice and came out of him, and they were all amazed. It is insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with, for with authority commanded he even unclean spirits, and they do obey. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region around about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come to the synagogue, come out of the synagogue, excuse me, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew and with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and on they tell him of her. He came and took her by the hand, and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. She ministered unto him. At evening the sun did set, and they brought unto him all that were diseased, them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many of that were sick of diverse diseases. And caused and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up in a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. Therefore came I forth. For therefore I came I forth. 
And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Kind of goes along with the uh, Revelation 12 study that we just did, huh? Amazing how God works. I haven't been planning that one at all. And there came a leopard to to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst, canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. He straightly charged him, forthwith sent him away, and said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for the testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and blazing abroad in the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without the desert places, without in the desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. My Lord, Savior. You're amazing. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.